Good morning, fellow students, and welcome back to another episode of Legacy Weapon, your guide to the Legacy format. I am Jamie Keller. I'm Drew Walton. And we have a very special guest today. All guests are very special. Well, some guests are specialer than others. <laughs> it's very true. It's very true. We have Patrick on the line. Hello, Patrick. Hey, guys. How's it going? Good, good. Do, doing well. Thank you for coming. Now, what makes you extra special? Why do you deserve this special spot on our show? Well, I think I probably I probably hassle you more on Twitter than any other your other listeners. Possibly, <laughs> that, that's, possibly. That's, that's an, uh, yeah, that's an elite distinction. So yeah, it's probably my first qualification. Um, okay, I, I'm also a, a legacy player. Um, that's my my favorite format, my format of choice. Um, I also uh, co-host a podcast myself uh, called Leaving a Legacy. We're on MTG Cast. Um, I think we're one of probably the the longer running legacy podcasts around. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm big into legacy and, uh, thought we had a deck we could, to, could, uh, talk about today that I'm pretty passionate about. So, uh, yeah. hopefully get into that. Yep. This is a deck tech episode. And this time we're having our, our expert on, uh, for both episodes, you know, Drew and I talked about it and we know the decks well enough. We could do a deck tech on any deck, but if you haven't played games with it, if you haven't played lots of games with it, your your depth of knowledge just isn't as good. So we have fun having guests on, and we think it gives you all a better better insight, better show, uh, better feedback, and also somebody to tell us when we're just saying stupid things. So <laughs> we asked Patrick to come on, and uh, we wanted to talk about uh, Eldrazi. Yes. Now, Eldrazi is one of the relatively newer decks in the format, uh, and I'm really excited about it. It was the scourge of modern, as you may remember from us uh, back when we talked modern for a couple episodes uh, it was way too good for modern and like a lot of things that are way too good for modern they're they're just right for legacy actually it's, it's kind of fun to see them transition uh so it, before we dig into the deck too much do you just want to tell us uh, anything more about yourself or do you just want to dig in on the deck uh yeah i can give a quick little background um you know i started playing magic um back when i was in middle school around 1997 um i think my first block that I played in was like Tempest Block. Um, I never played much, uh, like, you know, tournament magic. It was mostly kitchen table with my friend. Um, and I played around until 2003. And uh, I stayed away from the game when I was in college. I just didn't have any friends who played and just wasn't, you know, wasn't interested in it. And uh, right around t- 2014, when Born of the Gods came out, I picked it back up. Or was that 20? 20- it might have been 2013, actually. Now, now that I think about it. But anyway, uh, I picked the game back up then. And. Um, I've been playing uh, playing ever since. I got into Legacy around mm, a little after December, after my son was born in December, my, my youngest son, because uh, I just didn't have the time to play Standard anymore, you know, to be going to FNM every week and trying to trade cards to keep up with uh, the metagame. So uh, I got into Legacy shortly after that because I thought it was a format that moved around a little bit slower, and uh, I was able to kind of um, condense all my cards into a much smaller collection which is also kind of nice too great and one thing that i wanted to, to ask is how you got into podcasting yourself we kind of talked about how how we got into legacy which involved drew saying hey you've got some good cards and basically <laughs> it all snowballed from there but what got you into podcasting so it's actually funny um podcasting is what got me into legacy um uh, <laughs> there was a there's two guys two local guys in my area jerry me and uh, adrian avant and they're both uh both legacy players and they had a little um podcast called um uh leaving a legacy and they were an mtg cast where i kept caught a lot of my other podcasts that i listened to and uh you know i was i had stopped playing magic for a bit you know like i like i said around november um i wasn't playing much magic and i you know saw that this podcast was about legacy and i started listening to it really enjoyed it and i uh you know talked to them on on i can't remember if it was on twitter or on the facebook page and i said hey you know i know scg worcester's coming up in a few months are you guys going? They said they were, so we actually ended up going out to breakfast together, a little uh, little diner in uh, Worcester called Miss Worcester, and uh, you know we had really good chemistry. I really enjoyed talking to them. They invited me on to do a guest episode just to talk about you know kind of like the newcomers' perspective to the Legacy format because at that time you know I had never played before. I went to SEG. I had never played a single game of Legacy. Um, so I went on there for for an episode, and you know they asked me back for the next episode, and I just kind of wormed my way into their podcast. So um, <laughs> invited you in once, and you never left. 
Yeah, pretty much. I'm like that guest who like doesn't know when to go home. So right. <laughs> uh, that, that was around episode 34, I think, and we just cracked 100 episodes a few weeks ago. So cool. um, I've been on there almost as long as the original hosts. Uh, but uh, yeah, if it wasn't, I mean, if it wasn't for a podcast like that, and if it wasn't for a podcast like yours, um, I imagine that there's a lot of players who would never have gotten into Legacy at all. So I I, I thank them quite a bit for introducing me to the format and keeping it um, accessible for for a new player. Well, you heard it here first, folks. He comes on as a guest, wheedles his way on. <laughs> Drew, I, he, he, he's aiming for Drew's spot, is what we're saying, as, as the expert on the show. So watch out. No, uh, I never, but, I never replace anyone. I just, I just kind of weasel my way in and stay. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to usurp anybody <laughs> yet. Yet, right? We'll see. All right. Uh, so let, let's dig into the deck. Uh, tell us a little bit uh, about Eldrazi. We will start with the list, and as normal, we'll we'll read through. Uh, what is actually the text of the cards, what the cards do for any card that we haven't already talked about on the show? We try to keep the deck text as, as kind of entry-level friendly as we can there. Um, so we'll, we'll try to hit that spot as we go. So you want to just run down the deck list right now and then talk a little bit about the deck after that? Yeah, yeah, I suppose so. Well, you can first just start, like, what type of deck is it so people can oh, kind sure. of have a frame of reference? Yeah, so um, the Eldrazi deck really kind of uh, became a deck after Oath of the Gatewatch released in January. Um, there was some pretty key cards that were uh, in that deck, uh, and sorry, in that set. Uh, some of the creatures that really made the deck um, kind of function. Um, the Eldrazi deck is what's considered sort of a stompy deck, um, which really a stompy deck in Legacy is just a combination of a few things, including uh, what are called soul lands. So those are lands that are going to tap for more mana than just one. Um, they will have usually some kind of other acceleration, um, lock pieces that'll stop your opponent from either playing magic at all or slowing them down significantly and then you're also just going to have some big beater creatures kind of big dumb creatures that um you know in a vacuum aren't that great but when you're able to put out a thought not seer on turn two uh it's a very strong play to, to with the deck so um that's kind of like the, what the eldrazi deck is all about it's sort of like playing fast mana um accelerating into your lock pieces then playing a big dumb beater that you can protect either by your opponent not being able to play spells or by taxing them so much that, that they can't play spells on time, uh, on curve, and uh, that's kind of how the deck wins. Yeah, I always think of Stompy as somewhere between aggro control and mid-range control, just because you're you're kind of just interfering with other people's stuff while you beat, beat their face with a, maybe not huge, but huge for legacy creature. Yeah, definitely. It's it's sort of like the it's sort of like uh like an all out aggro deck and mud. If those are like the the two ends there, Eldrazi's kind of in the middle, you know. Yeah. Okay. Well, on this one, let's actually start if you don't mind. We don't usually start with lands, but I think it might make sense to start with the lands here just because they're kind of uh well, why it matters which cards are Eldrazi and which cards aren't. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so the land package, um, Eldrazi doesn't run a lot of, um, uh, uh, as far as like draw spells, it's not much draw to the deck. Uh, so they have to run a pretty high amount of lands considering that it's legacy. Um, uh, we start off with four ancient tomb. Uh, Drew, do you actually want to go through the list? I don't want to like kind of sure. pull your spot yeah, here. Yeah, and then you if, if, I'll, I'll know what cards you talked about and yeah. Uh, so four ancient tombs, um, which is the, the classic soul land. There are also two city of traders. Um, you don't want quite as many seated traders, I'm assuming, because you do actually need to pay some, play some pretty high uh, mana cost spells, and the city traders obviously goes away, so uh, it's probably not as good as the ancient tomb. Um, four cavernous souls because you can name Eldrazi, uh, and that's pretty good. All of the creatures are Eldrazi except for one, which isn't really a creature anyway. Uh, four Eldrazi temple, four Eye of Ugin, which is the card that got banned in modern because of. How big of a have, have, have we ever said what Eldrazi Temple is? Probably not. So Eldrazi Temple is the land it taps for a colorless, or it taps for two colorless, but you, then you can only spend that mana on Eldrazi spells or Eldrazi abilities. And an Eye of Ugin is a, is a land that doesn't tap for mana at all. Right. But it's it still makes, the best soul land ever. Right. It makes Eldrazi spells cost two less, and then you can also spend seven and tap it to search your library for a colorless creature card. Okay, like so it, it it's legendary though, so you can only have one. So you don't want a hand of just these. But if you get one of these down, it acts as a soul land that untaps for each spell you cast. Almost, yeah. It it definitely will lead you to some of the most broken draws in the deck as well. When you can like play like turn one triple mimic and then turn two 
you can play like a reality smasher and swing for for 20 um so it, it's definitely like you don't like to see multiples of it and if you're going to shave a land i have ugin is kind of one you want to shave to go down to three but you definitely want to see this land at some point in your uh in during your game all right then uh closing things out we also have three mishra's factory which is a man land taps for colorless and then for one it becomes a two two assembly worker art artifact creature until end of turn. And then you can also tap to give another assembly worker creature uh, plus one and plus one until end of turn. Uh, then there are three wastelands. You know what wasteland is. And there's a singleton Urborg Tomb of Yawgmoth, which is a legendary land that makes every land a swamp. Including, including itself. So it taps for, for black and then makes all your other stuff tap for black, which, you know, it gives your opponent black mana. Sometimes it might seem like a downside, the one great thing in this deck, though, is even if you don't care about black mana, it makes your Eye of Ugin tap for black mana in addition right. to its cost reduction. So now Eye of Ugin gives you three mana. It also lets you tap your Ancient Tomb for black instead of dealing you damage if you yep. if that becomes relevant. Yes, uh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And the only thing that's a little awkward with Urborg that comes up sometimes is that um, like an Urborg and um, Eye of Ugin opener... Even though it will net you four mana, you actually can't cast something right. like Thought Not Seer off it because you can't produce colorless mana. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So mm-hmm. even though this is a colorless deck, I don't like calling it that because you really do need to be able to create that diamond, you know, strictly colorless mana, not just generic mana. So that right. is something that you have to pay attention to when you're scanning your openers. So it's kind of mono colorless, but that's yes. not a joke. That's actually <laughs> yeah. seriously what it is. Right. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Well, great. Okay, so now we now we see why it matters to have Eldrazi spells because two inc- of your lands, including your best land, only help the Eldrazi spells particularly. Mm-hmm. Uh, now let's let, let's go through the the creatures. <laughs> what, what what are these Eldrazi? All right, so we got a uh, we have four endless one, which is an Eldrazi for X mana, and it's a zero zero, and it comes into the battlefield with X plus one plus one counters on it. So it's a little creature early. It's a big creature late. Uh, Back in my day, we called this Ivy Elemental. It cost green and an X, and right. we were we were happy for it. Uphill both ways. Right, yes. It's just a strictly better Ivy Elemental. Yep, that's pretty much what it is. So is this usually, in your experience, I, I get the great thing about it costing X is the versatility. I mean, a 1-1 one, one for 1 is bad, a 2 for 2 for 2 is bad, a 6-6 six, six for 6 is bad, mm-hmm. but the versatility makes it great. Do you usually end up playing this for 1, 2, 3... Ten, I I can't say I've ever played it for one, just because almost all my lands are going to tap for two. If yeah, I haven't, an, I have Ugin out for one. Yeah, <laughs> when I have I have Ugin out, I can you know it's going to be a two two for nothing, um, which is nice. Yeah. Um, but the power in the card really is it scales well during the game. Obviously, um, if you're playing against a deck like Miracles, you need to hold back creatures. Um, because you're afraid of them being able to wipe your board. Uh, it's nice to be able to pump a lot of mana into him and making them answer it one for one. Um, the other thing that it does, which is nice about the X cost, is that it will trigger your Eldrazi Mimic abilities, which we can get into next. Um, so you're able to kind of pump your Eldrazi Mimics with an Endless One. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Um, yeah. And also, uh, kind of really super corner case, I don't know if we want to get into this, but um, I have cast endless ones for zero to get rid of a dredge's bridge from below in the graveyard um so that is something you can also do so i don't know if we've ever talked about bridge from below but basically to to make it very simple one of the like five uh, most confusing cards in the history of magic at least among the ones ever see tournament play it makes like it make it doesn't function the way you'd expect it to function yeah we, we won't we won't actually say what it does but the thing is it does good things for your opponent but it gets exiled if anything you control dies so cast a zero zero they now lose their bridge from below. It gets exiled yeah. from the game. So I was definitely playing a game clever. of Moto. Yeah, I was definitely playing a game of Moto where I had an, an Eye of Ugin out and I had to deselect the free mana it was trying to give me to play on this one so I could play it for zero. No, no, stop <laughs> that. Stop that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so next up is Eldrazi Mimic. This is also a four of. This is a two this is a two mana two one. And whenever another colorless creature enters the battlefield under your control, you may change Eldrazi Mimic's base power and toughness that creature's power and toughness until end of turn so this is why the endless one is nifty because it's just a two one for two or sometimes for zero because i uh but yeah sometimes it's like then it attacks as a six six or something the next turn one way to look at it is that it gives all your big stuff haste 
because you you play a six six, then you're attacking with a six six. Sort of like that. Yeah. But that, that's one way to look at it. But also, it can just do some really busted stuff. Like you said, you know, one of one of the dream hands. If you play an Eye of Ugin, you can then play four of these on turn one. Mm-hmm. Theoretically, yep. and then. Yes. Yeah, and then basically play a, any play a, creature will win the game. Yeah, yeah. Pl- play a four-four endless one on turn two. <laughs> so attack for 16, sixteen on turn yeah. two. My 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 castmate was uh, playing when we went to um, the two of us went out to GP Columbus, the legacy GP that was out there in uh, June. Yeah, and uh, his opponent turn one went like I have Ugin, uh, mimic mimic mimic, and then turn two played um, Eldrazi Temple. Exiled a Simeon Spirit Guide and played Reality Smasher and swung for twenty on turn two. So yeah, that is a thing that happens in uh, yes, yeah, it's, yeah, like it is, in this deck. Actually, the modern very version exciting. of this deck was capable of doing that too. Which yes, yeah, that's uh, that's but, why it's not on modern anymore. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Unlike the, the other thing that was recently too good for modern was Twin, and Twin is like adorable in Legacy. Like it's a little <laughs> underdog. It's I don't know tier two and a half maybe. Yeah, but. Uh, this one is the flip side where it's it's definitely tier one. You're going to see yeah. this at the top tables. Yeah. The the other interesting thing about Eldrazi Mimic as well is that it's kind of a must, even though it's a two-mana card that really is sort of a do-nothing dirtler, it is sort of a must answer for a lot of decks because they can't afford to leave it on the board and have it get pumped up by something else. Mm-hmm. Um, so if they have bolts or they have path, you know, uh, not path to exiles, but swords to plowshares, um, right. a lot of times they'll have to burn them on the Mimic instead of the Thought Not Seer or instead of the Reality smasher um so the bolt won't kill a lot of your other stuff exactly so it's 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 gonna get killed by one of those things um it it's it's just a must answer card and for for two mana which essentially can cost you one land or or zero lands if you have an eye out it's a pretty it's you know it's a it's a great example of a creature that in a vacuum isn't that great but in the in the the context of this deck is very powerful yeah. Oddly enough, and it's because I bring everything back to elves. That sounds like elves to me. Uh, <laughs> everything just does the sound idea, like elves to you. Yeah. The <laughs> idea where where every single creature is small and insignificant looking, but is also a must kill answer mm-hmm. on, on and you're never really sure do they have a reality smasher in hand or not. Like how must kill is this mimic right now? Yeah. Uh, better kill it just in case. Especially real, real bad, yeah. Yeah. All right, so the next um, we'll talk about Reality Smasher, which is a uh, is a one specifically colorless and then four generic for a five five trample haste that whenever it becomes the target of a spell an opponent controls, you counter that spell unless its controller discards a card. So it has like sort of quasi hexproofishness. Uh, they can kill it, but it'll be at least a two for one if they do. Yeah. Well, worst case scenario, it's a five-five trample haste for five, which, which is doesn't nice. really. Yeah, yeah, that doesn't sound legacy playable. But when you have so many things that make it cost less, and when you are attacking for twenty, and all your mimics now become <laughs> five fives, mana costs are just it, really not what they seem in this deck because so many of your lands functionally tap for two mana. Um, yeah, it just yeah. Five and as I say, worst not- case. What is not in this deck is not five mana in most other decks. It's really more like right. three. Right. And, and as I say, you know, worst case scenario, really, this has like hexproof against spells. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's not going to be the kind of thing that they're throwing bolts at very often. Yeah. You definitely don't feel bad. If your no, opponent no. only has one card in hand, you're not worried about it. Right. Right. No. They can't. And, yeah. You know, e- even if they have enough, uh, if they used up, if they have four cards in hand and they use a lot of them to get rid of this thing. That's, yeah, that's not bad. Waiting. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the other card that uh, we already mentioned was a Simeon spirit guide. This is the only creature in the deck that's not an Eldrazi. And it's not really a creature because you can't actually cast it. Right. I guess maybe you could use one spirit guide to get another one, but that's probably have never I, I done have, that. Have you done that? I have definitely, I have definitely played cavernous soul on ape. Oh, um, and the reason why we run spirit guide over say something like elvish spirit guide we run the simian is yeah. in case you get blood moon which people do try to do against this deck True. sometimes a two two for three will get there i've definitely beaten miracles with a simian spirit guide all right so wow. <laughs> so it's it's uh this is what a, a gray ogre it's it's a gray yes ogre. it's it's <laughs> yes. Th- a red and two for a two two but all right, the reason that this sees play is that you can exile it from your hand to add a red mana to your mana pool. Um, so this is a way to 
get you yet another quick early mana source so you can play yeah. Reality Smasher turn two and Super Broken and stuff like that. Sort um, of like an uncounterable Lotus Petal for, um, for, a, for a lot of purposes. Right, for red only, but that's fine. Now, is this the kind of thing that you usually, you mentioned using it on turn two. Do you hold this for some big play usually, or do you use it early to just get a quick board presence? What it, do you it, usually see it for? It can be very contextual. For instance, uh, one of the best plays that I love to do with this deck is to play Chalice for one on turn one. Yes. Um, and this will allow you to do that when you don't have a soul land in hand, which does right. occasionally happen. I mean, you know, trying to play Chalice for one with an, an Eldrazi Temple is never good because it's only going to give you one mana, not two. Right. Um, so Simeon Spirit Guy will allow you to accelerate a little bit there. Um, there's also cards like, you know, Reality Smasher, which is a five CMC card. So this will allow you to, to power that out a turn early. Um, and it's also, a, it really is kind of insurance against a Blood Moon. Um, it's n- never a dead card in your hand. Um, and, uh, anytime you get the fast mana for this, for this deck, you're gonna, you're gonna wanna have it. Um, the faster you can power out disruption, and the faster you can power out your creatures, the, the better off you're gonna be. Right. Okay, next is, uh, Thought Not Seer, which is, I don't know, maybe the best Eldrazi. I don't know. This thing's pretty busted, I feel like, every time I've had to play against it. Um, <laughs> This is a, a colorless and three for a four four. When it enters the battlefield, target opponent reveals his or her hand. You choose a non land card from it and exile that card. And then when Thought Not Seer leaves the battlefield, which important to note that it is not dies, it just leaves any any old way. Uh, mm. that a target opponent draws a card. Wait, ha- had we talked about that card already? Had we? I don't know. When would we have talked about it? Drew, you didn't set me up. You're supposed to say no, so that I could say. I thought not. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, we'll fix it in post. We'll fix it in post. Yeah, It'll be okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. <laughs> oh, we'll, take, we'll take out all your words and put in all new words. <laughs> oh, my, yeah, that'll be easy. Uh, right. um, all right, and finally, we, we have... Uh, well, we could talk about that for a minute. So this is obviously super sweet against combo decks. Uh, you could pretty easily play it on turn two in this deck. And then it's also just a 4-4 dude, doesn't die to bolt, and beats face pretty well against most legacy creatures. Um, I think we did miss Matter Reshaper as well. I don't know if you... Oh, we uh, totally skipped Matter, Sh- Matter Reshaper. Yeah. I always forget about Matter Reshaper. This feels like the worst uh, creature in the deck to me. I don't know. Uh, it, it, it can be. Um, a 3-2 three, for 3 is never great. Right. Um, but again, like it, it sometimes it's going to cost you one man... You know, it's going to cost you a one. single... You know, because yeah. you're gonna have you're gonna have eye out. Right. Um, you know, it, so it it's two and a colorless for a three two Eldrazi. Um, but when it dies, you reveal the top card of your library. Um, you can either put it on the battlefield if it's um a card with a CMC three or less. Otherwise, you can put that card in your hand. Um, it's kind of nice because it does it in essence replace itself when it dies. Um, and you also have you know one thing that's you want to kind of uh, people who might want to play this deck should keep note of is that if it's something like say um, a chalice, you can actually put it in your hand, even though it has a lower CMC than three, um, you can put it, you have the option to put it in your hand. So you're not going to, you know, if that chalice just at the board, you'd lose it. It's not like you're playing it for zero. It would just end up going to your graveyard. Um, you can bring it into your hand and play it next turn. True. True. Okay. Uh, all right, and finally, there's Endbringer, which is a card. That I, this is like a two of in, in every Eldrazi list mm-hmm. in Legacy, though it never saw play in Modern. Um, I have always been mystified that this sees play in Legacy, so maybe you can finally explain to me why this card is <laughs> Legacy playable, because I simply don't understand. Uh, this is a six drop. It's a colorless and five for a five five. And it has some crazy abilities. So you untap it during each other player's untap step. And then it has three abilities that require it to tap. So it taps to deal one damage to target creature or player, which, you know, Prodigal Sorcery's ability stapled to a 5-5 body is always something I'm interested in. <laughs> uh, a colorless and tap, it, it says target creature can't attack or block this turn. And for two colorless and tap, it says draw a card. So it does tons of crazy stuff, but it's a six drop. Like, really? Really? Are you- it's, it, it's the Eldrazi Jace. You know? Okay. <laughs> I mean, yeah, um, it's, it's going to draw you two cards a turn, right? It it It'll definitely you, can. Well, two additional cards a turn, yeah. 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 Um. So one of the so there's a few decks of this that I mean we can get into it later and you know either today or another episode um that this deck has problems against um one of them is a deck like lands or sneak and show which mm-hmm. um which is 
just as fast. Well, uh, Sneaker Show for sure is just as fast as Eldrazi can be. Um, and we there's not really much they can do to either bounce Their a creature. Eldrazi is better than your Eldrazi. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Big Daddy Emrakul or Big Mama Emrakul is pretty good. Yeah. Um, so being able to stop them from attacking at all is pretty big um, if you're able to get this guy out. Yeah. Um, it is really the only source of card advantage that this deck will have with the exception of activating Eye of Ugin for 7, which really doesn't happen that often, even against even against a deck like Miracles, where you're going to be going to the later game. Generating 7 real mana is very difficult when you're not yeah. getting the double... Because Eldrazi Temple only taps for 1 when you're activating Eye of Ugin. Yep. Eye of Ugin itself has to tap, so even if you have, say, an Urborg out, you still have it's to pay 7, tap yeah. Eye of Ugin, and, you know, so it, it's very rare that you'll be able to get, you know, that that activated. Sure. Um, so Endbringer will be able to, to draw you some cards. Um... The other thing that it will do is take care of some pesky 1-1s in the format, like an Unflipped Delver, um, some Infect creatures that can be a little bit of a hassle. Uh, I was actually playing an Infect uh, online earlier today, and uh, Endbringer was able to single-handedly like take care of um, you know, their unblockable guys, their blighted sure. agents, able to take care of their Glistener Elves and their Noble Hierarchs. And when you're able to take, you know, to basically um, two for one them every turn. Uh, or, well, I guess really two for zero because you're not really co- it's not costing you any cards. Right. It's just costing you tapping the creature. Um, that can be a pretty powerful cost of effect. Drawing a card, I guess, but yes, yes, still, still good. And, yes. and at the very least, it's going to be a five-five that's going to pump your mimics. Um, and it's another creature that just kind of has to be answered. So, yeah. um, I think again, if this creature was missing any of those abilities, um, it probably wouldn't be very good. But I can say that I've activated them all, and they've all been relevant in some game. Um. Okay. And it, and again, for in a game like against lands, where you'll be playing against um, a merit age token, this is going to be something that will stop that merit age token from attacking or blocking flyers, creatures. So right, yeah. right. So does it untap during your opponent's untap or upkeep? What does it say? Un- untap. Uh, yep, untap step. Okay. No, no funny shenanigans of using them twice in the same turn. So right. The uh, so, so some of those old 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 tricks of her trying to. Use it during their upkeep and not, but okay, then, fine, right, fine. Yeah, activated in response to the untap trigger, right? That's, oh, that's not only a minimal number of shenanigans. Yeah, fine. this this okay. <laughs> this also has, and again, this is another corner case. But for a deck like Miracles that may run Moat, which doesn't allow your creatures to attack, because again, you don't have any flyers, this right. will be like the ultimate end game against ping, that deck. Ping, so there is ping, that as well. Ping, ping, yeah, yeah. Yeah, if they okay. if they can if you can avoid them from entreating the angels, you can ping them to death with Endbringer. I mean, you're basically going to be doing two two in a you know one a turn really, but two a turn for yourself. So right, um, there's that as well. You get there, yeah. Okay, okay, all right. Uh, that'll do. Right. <laughs> yeah, relevant abilities, but again, in a vacuum or just on their own, not very impressive. It looks so weird. It just looks so weird to me, which I guess Eldrazi <laughs> are all kind of weird, but this one looks especially weird. I just have yeah. a hard time wrapping myself my head around playing it. And but. and one yeah. one thing to note, too, as far as the creatures go, um, with the exception of Simeon Spirit Guide and Endless One, they all came out of Oath of the Gatewatch. So right. Endless There's- One was from... Power for Zendikar, but literally the entire creature package came from one standard set, which is pretty impressive. Yeah, it's pretty ridiculous. I'm you have definitely more standard legal cards than maybe every other <laughs> legacy deck put together. Yeah, yeah, I think so. <laughs> um, yeah, I think you have like what twenty two. So yeah, it's pretty crazy. <laughs> um, all right, move twenty four. Yeah, because there's, inst- there's an instant in here. Um, so moving on to the non-creature spells, there are only 10 of these. So four of them are Chalice of the Void, which, mm-hmm. love me some Chalice. Mm-hmm. And- <laughs> it, it seems to be a staple in Stompy, just because Stompy needs to keep the combo and keep the digging just to a minimum. Yeah, just just Chalice. We, chalice. we, we know it's good. Chalice is really good. Um, right, so this is, this is a staple in most Stompy decks, and I, I feel like... Maybe the reason that Eldrazi is the best Stompy deck is that uh, you you don't need other colors. All of the other ones need other colors. And so it's very mm-hmm. awkward to be playing four Ancient Tombs. Uh, certainly if you're then also trying to jam City of Traitors in there. Um, your other lands like Ayavugan and Eldrazi Temple, while they do tap for two most of the time, don't help you cast Chalice on turn one. But uh, just the fact that you have a good use for a pile of colorless mana... I feel like makes you probably that that's one of the reasons this maybe the main reason why this is the 
a better Stompy deck than uh, Soldier Stompy, for example, which was my first mm. Legacy deck, which we <laughs> went off on like a 10-minute tangent about somehow <laughs> in the middle of our most recent episode that I don't think you've heard yet because it either hasn't been posted or it just went up. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, anyway, I digress. I, I plead the fifth over whether I've gotten on that yet. <laughs> okay. All right. Anyway, that that's coming. Um well, I guess by the time you're hearing this, listeners, you've already seen that. So anyway, that temporal We're in the future. I'm always confused about what time it is, yes. Um, I'm always in the future. Right. But so this is this is great. It's good against almost everybody. Uh, it does make you avoid one-drops. But that's the other thing is that Eldrazi doesn't really have any one-drops that it would want to play anyway. So, yeah, you don't really have much opportunity cost for playing Chalice. Yeah, um, really the only non-bow for, if you chalice for one is on Pyth- Pything Needle, right. um, which is, which most decks will run on the sideboard. And honestly, Pything Needle is so good that you'd rather have that over Phyrexian Revoker. Yeah. Um, I know there's been a big debate on, you know, if you're gonna run chalice, you should really run Pything Needle. And honestly, you don't have chalice um, every game and you don't have it turn one every game. It's really, right. my theory on something like that is if you've got one, play that one. If you got the other, play that one. If you yeah. got both, then you're winning. It yes. doesn't matter which one you play. <laughs> right, play, yeah, play exactly. the needle first and then play, yeah, you know, so it doesn't counter it. But right, yeah, yeah it but, should be okay. But if you've got your two hoser I win cards, it really doesn't matter if they don't play nice with each other, if either one can win. Right, that's 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 a fair point. Yeah, Chalice yep. frequently, there are so many decks that just really can't win if you have a Chalice on the yes. board. Yes, absolutely. So it doesn't really matter if you have a dead card in your hand because they have like four. <laughs> <laughs> so you're all right. Um... So, all right, then there are two Umazawa's Jitta, which is a good card, I hear. So good. Um, you have a feature so deck, you have lots of things to equip this to, and it wrecks many, many people's faces. Um, and even the ones that it doesn't wreck, even the ones that aren't, like, you know, full of tiny dudes, it's still just a good card. Yeah, it's it just gains you so much life, it deals so much damage out. Damage oh, it's just... that. Yeah, it's just, it's good. Um, then there are two copies of Warping Whale, which is the aforementioned uh, instant out of um, Oath. Also, also known as the Eldrazi Charm. Yes, this is a modal <laughs> spell uh, for a colorless and for, one. For two, yep. Yeah, and so the modes are, choose choose one, uh, the modes are Exile Target Creature with Power or Toughness, one or less, which hits so much stuff, so much stuff. All, almost everything, all, uh, pretty much every utility creature and... Most of the attacking creatures, yeah, I think. It's it's a ton of stuff. I mean like Delver you can only hit before it flips, but still. Um then there's counter target sorcery spell, which is like so unfair that you get to have a counter spell in this deck. <laughs> it's so unfair. Uh and then the other one is you can put a one one colorless Eldrazi Scion creature token out of the battlefield with uh Sackett for to add a colorless. Um I feel like those first two modes are definitely better than the third. I'm guessing you'll tell me you've probably used the other one at least occasionally. Yes, uh, for sure. I've I've definitely done played them all. Um, in the face of a blood moon, sometimes you'll just play warping whale uh, mm. to put a sign on the on the board before the uh, before the blood moon resolves. So at least you have access to one colorless mana, so you right. can maybe power out some creature at that point. Um, right. uh, for sure. Um, you know, the the one one isn't always relevant, but I have used that uh, ability in the past. So I mean, it also seems like there, I mean, there would be situations where you could, uh, like after a terminus or something, you could jam this out and just equip it with a Jitta. Um, yeah, and that's just a dude to start attacking with. Especially we already had some counters on the Jitta. Um, yep. The, uh, the idea that they had would have to uh, trade for a one one Scion one for one removal just because it's now a must kill threat amuses me greatly. Right. It- and for sure, if you have the Warping Wheel in hand, you can just counter the Terminus as well, which is also very relevant. Oh, that's true. It's a sorcery. Yeah. Yep. Right. Yep. Uh, so I forget I that since they always play it on my turn. Right. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so even though they're playing it as an instant, you can still counter with a with a sorcery counter. That's a good point. Yeah. Probably the right call <laughs> is not to uh, not not to Warping Wheel there, but not not to make the Eldrazi token, but probably just to counter. Well, yeah, there there are different avenues to win, so you know we can all we can all make our decisions. So. Right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> All right, and finally, the last card here is Dismember, uh, which is two black Phyrexian mana and one generic. And it's instant, it says target creature gets minus five, minus five until end of turn. So this is just straight up uh, removal that you can play without having to actually tap for mana of any specific color. Um, mm-hmm. You 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 have the ability to make black mana, what with your Ur- tomb is there. and everything, yeah. but I, I have to imagine that the vast majority of, this, of the time, this is one mana, pay for life, kill a creature 
Yes. Yeah, and that those creatures are usually going to be um, Delvers, which are kind of kill on sight because they can be a real headache for this deck, um, especially because you're going to be pinging yourself with Ancient Tombs quite a bit. Yep. Um, that will also. This is also going to target um, uh, opposing uh, Tarmogoyfs and opposing uh, um, uh, the zombie fish, the Gurmag Anglers. Yeah. Um, those are probably the most common. Uh, targets for this spell. Um, it's also not bad against uh, say an infect player who's able to pump up their guy um, to give him minus five, minus five is always good. Um, there, it, there's a few, yeah, there's a few cases where this card is good. I mean, it's a two of, so you're not going to see it every game, but um, it's it's useful when it does come up. Okay, that's the deck. Do we want to talk about the sideboard? Well, be- before we move on, I do want to uh, mention we do have actually have a, a sponsor today, and, and this sponsor uh, is is a, a a restaurant here in town. Are you looking for a tasty treat? Are you looking for tacos? Everyone's looking for tacos. Come on down. Come on down to the... Oh, gosh, my phone is so terrible. Ah, fix it in post. Come on down. Come on down. <laughs> Come to that place with the tacos. <laughs> They're so tasty. Okay, okay. Only one of us can even pronounce Spanish words in the right for tone of voice. So forgive me to need to look at my phone while talking to my phone. All right, I'll try it again. Uh, we actually have a special sponsor for this episode, and, and we wanted to give a shout-out to El Cutraciona. El Cutraciona is the newest Spanish restaurant on uh, Dominaria. If you are looking for a taco to treat you right, this is the place to go. If you're looking for a burrito that will definitely stay with you and you know give you little reminders later of how delicious it was, this is the place to go. Just remember... Things that betray you are also things that you trusted once. <laughs> El Catraciona, the newest restaurant on Dominaria. That's Eat so it today, <laughs> love it forever. It's so topical. It is National Taco Day, so I'm very impressed with is that. Is it? Oh, well. It... <laughs> I didn't wait, know. Wait, na- now they're going to know how long it takes us to edit these things. Don't say oh, these things. Oh no, no, no. <laughs> I forgot. I didn't mean to put the uh, unintentional timestamp on the episode. Right, right. Well, well we I, I actually that, do want to say, yeah. yeah. Uh, do, do we have time to go through the sideboard? Or do you just want to hold that off for for part two? It's up to you. I mean, uh, the sideboard is pretty. It's pretty bland. There's nothing too special there. We can go over real quick. It's all. Uh, it's pretty straightforward, actually. Sure. I mean, okay. All of this be, uh, yeah. Sure. I'll read it. Uh, so all of this obviously has to be stuff that you can play without paying colored mana for the most part, which is one. Of the, I feel like that's one of the weaknesses of the Eldrazi deck. Um, I don't know how much of an issue you you found it to be, but you are limited in your sideboard choices to mostly artifacts. Yes, um, for sure. So you have one land, which is a Caracas, because show and tell, um, mm-hmm. reanimator, that sort of thing. Uh, the aforementioned uh, pithing or pything needle. Uh, I think we talked about that, but you it's an artifact for one. It enters the battlefield. You name a card, and then activated abilities of sources with the chosen name can't be activated. So this hoses... Lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of different things. It's so wonderful. I, I think we have talked about it, but you know, you, you got a planeswalker, not anymore. You have uh, a, a a good creature, eh, maybe it can attack, maybe not. Right. You're, you're on lands, and you're going to try to do some kind of crazy. I get a twenty twenty combo. Eh, no, nope. try it the hard way. Right. Yeah, d- definitely the two main targets for that are going to be t- Sensei's top and Wasteland. This is a deck that has a difficult time against Wasteland, yeah, um, okay. so this is going to be, that'll be probably the two main targets for it, but you're totally right. The Python Needle, even though you're often playing Chalice for one, um, this card is so good and so versatile that you're going to want it in your in your sideboard. Yeah, I think it's grossly underplayed just across the board in Legacy. Right. And it gets played right. a lot. I just still think it should get played more. Yeah, I agree. It feels like it should be in almost every deck since everyone can mm-hmm. cast it. Yeah. Uh, two Ratchet Bomb, which is a, another two-drop which is a two-drop artifact. Uh, it taps to put a charge counter on it, and then it also tap and sacrifice it to destroy each non-land permanent with uh, converted mana cost equal to the number of charge counters on Ratchet Bomb. So the so, first turn you play it, if you, if you wanted to for some reason, say they've got tokens, you can just immediately sack it and kill everything with a zero converted casting cost. Mm-hmm. Right. Which would include all your endless ones, but, you know, I digress. Oh, well. uh, or, you know, just you slowly build it up to whatever you know their problem converted mana cost is and then just let it sit there and wait until they've committed enough to the board right yeah absolutely it's also great you're right that killing tokens is great um it's kind of insurance against a deck like storm where they're going to have be able to empty the warrants for a bunch of goblins 
Um, it's good against you know being able to to play it, um, put a charge counter on it and kill uh, opposing Delvers, Deathrite Shamans. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of one CMC cards that this will kill, um, and it's also just kind of inevitability against some other decks. So sure, okay, that nice. makes sense. I'm gonna store that one away from my Soldier Stompy sideboard, which also <laughs> struggles against Delvers. Uh, four Thorn of Amethyst, which is Thalia not on a stick. Uh, it's not yeah. for two. <laughs> Uh, non-creature spells cost one more to play. Uh, yep, pretty self-explanatory. Uh, if you, you, I mean, it's you're the sort of deck that wants to hate on other people's non-creature spells. You you have very few non-creature spells yourself, um, mm-hmm. and you have access to more mana than most decks do. So taxing everybody seems pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, there are four leyline of the void here, which is this is a black spell, but it's a leyline. Not really. Means, that if you have it in your opening hand, you may just begin, you could reveal it and just begin the game with it on the battlefield, which, oh. yeah. Yeah, uh, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's two cycles that have nine cards between them, because awkwardness. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it's, it's a really cool idea of just, you know, if you luck into having it in your opening hand, you, you don't have to pay for it, you just, you just get it. Right. Makes it one of the best uh, graveyard hates, since it happens before your opponent can do anything <laughs> right and it doesn't die to abrupt decay etc right. so uh and right what it says is if a card would be put into an opponent's graveyard from anywhere exile instead so that, that's what it does yeah and especially if that is what starts the game because uh, this is an exile graveyard so if you play it on turn five they might have a graveyard already right <laughs> uh, if you get it down on turn zero just they'll never get a graveyard right. yep this is pretty legit against uh reanimator dredge um i assume that's mostly what you're bringing in against yeah, it's also it's. I've also been able to bring it in against Storm. Yeah, uh, it's where they can't they can't pay, you know past in flames uh, right. their cards in the graveyard. So that that also is relevant against them. Isn't it, I feel like your Storm matchup has to be pretty good anyway, just with four chalices. I mean, yeah, absolutely. At the, between the thorns and the yeah, yeah. It, it's certainly overkill. But I'm you're going to be. Could, do you really have room in your sideboard to bring yeah, in well, eight <laughs> cards against that deck? Well, you'd be you'd be surprised. I mean, it, like against four, Storm, for instance, you're definitely taking out. Six cards to start with. You're definitely going to take out your jits, your warping whales, your dismembers. Yeah, true. Yeah, um, yeah. And in all honesty, your endbringers are probably going to come out too because they're too slow against too that slow. matchup. Um, I guess so really, you just need to stick one threat, and as long as you can, you have any one of your hate cards, they just can't win. That is that is like that is the uh, the design of the Stompy deck for sure. Yeah. Okay. Now, Fair enough. He, here is what's probably a dumb question, but that's part of what I'm here for. Is to ask the dumb questions. <laughs> is a uh, Warping well, countering a sorcery. Isn't there tutor a sorcery? Uh, yes. Yeah, they, don't, they don't always do that, though. Well, but past in flames is also. It seems like between that and past in flames, it might not be a bad thing to have. That's true. Um, but with I, I find with Eldrazi, I'm almost wanting to tap out every turn to begin with. Okay. I don't always want to leave up mana, but I, I think that there's definitely something to be said for keeping something like warping well. Um, I mean the with. The problem with with Leyland of the Void, if you're going to side it in, you're never going to side in one copy. You always side in you all four. four yeah. You need because you need if you don't see it in your opener, it's it's just a dead card. Right. Um, but I, yeah, I think the argument can be definitely said for keeping Warping Whale against like a Past and Flames deck. Okay. All right. So I'm not dumb. Maybe it's not ideal, but it's it's worth thinking about. I I, I like that. I'll count that as a win. All right. <laughs> yeah, I think you may be right. Okay. Finally, um, there's uh, all is dust which is a seven-mana sorcery, but it's a tribal Eldrazi sorcery, which means that Eye of Ugin reduces the cost. And oh, what, what I wouldn't give for a Warping Wheel to be a tribal tribal instant. Oh I would love God. for that to be a tribal instant. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, that's, <laughs> uh, and you know the only reason it's not is because of some answers on surveys back after you know uh, Rise of the Eldrazi. I love tribal yeah. stuff, but yeah, apparently a lot of people hated it. So flavorful, right? Yeah, I, I I love it. Um, but so anyway, what it says is uh, each player sacrifices all permanents he or she controls. So I guess it'll get rid of your leyline in the void. Yes, uh, and your simian spirit guides if you for some reason hardcasted that. But yeah, basically it's like just get rid of everything, including indestructible stuff that mm-hmm. your opponents all, control. It's, and it's all colored permanents. Remember, so anything right. that's so, no. That's colorless yeah. won't be sacrificed. Right, exactly. So it won't get rid of anything you have. I guess it will leave their equipment on the board or something like that. But well, yeah. wait, wait, are you getting rid of my dryad arbor? 
<laughs> uh, yeah, it will kill your dried armor. That's true. That's it's not supposed to get lands. That's not the intention. Mm. <laughs> well, it does. the nice the nice thing also about it being a tribal sorcery is that it does get the discount from uh, Iavogan, which right. is also and, nice. And Eldrazi Tumble Contempt for two. Yep. Um. Yeah. It's uh. It's surprisingly castable. Uh, for mm-hmm. a seven mana spell in this deck, very castable, very castable, and and very important against a lot of decks. Again, this is great against any deck that's going to create a lot of tokens. It's great against a deck like Lands, where they'll make a Merit Lage, and then you can make them sacrifice that Merit Lage token. Um, uh, Won't they usually it, make the Merit Lage at the end of your turn, though? That that is true, but sometimes they will try to do it on. They will try to play around Wasteland, and that's, that's sometimes true. where you get yeah. with all this dust. Yeah, um, that's true. You know, not, not all the time, but it, it is it is something that can be that that can happen. Um, yeah, fair enough. You got to play with your edges. I mean, Lands is a, is a difficult matchup for this deck, so you have to sort of play to all your outs with that one. <laughs> yeah, I assume Leyline of the Void you bring in against Lands too. Yes, yeah, yeah. but br- bring in Leyline. Um, Bring in Caracas, obviously. Bring in Needle because if if you you just definitely want to hit that against uh, Wasteland because if if they're if they're able to recur Wasteland, it makes it your day really bad. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) it makes everybody's day bad. Uh, Yeah, receiving into that in some other in some decks that actually do run basic lands, uh, and it's still it's still pretty miserable. (laughs) Yeah, no fun, no fun to be had there. Yeah, but yeah, so that's the deck. That's the sideboard. Um, Yeah. Great. Well, I, I, I will cut us off now so that we're not going too long. We'll save uh, uh, going more in-depth on it for part two. Uh, thank you for, for agreeing to come back. So we will have that lined up for, for all you great listeners out there in podcast land. Uh, before we close out, though, band card of the day? The band card of the day is uh, Mental Misstep. So Ooh. Chalice of the Void is an amazing card, right? Mostly because you're going to play it on one, stop your opponent's one drops. Imagine if you could play Chalice of the Void without having to skip out playing one drops in your own deck. That's kind of what mental misstep is. Uh, this is a counter spell for one blue Phyrexian mana. And it says counter target spell with converted mana cost one. Uh, this was briefly legal in legacy. And my understanding is that every deck was playing four until they decided to ban it because that was really terrible. So there's a story behind this. I actually heard uh, them say about they wanted other colors to have a way to interact with blue. The only real way to beat the blue counterspell decks at the time was to get in under them, like to place things before they could get their counterspell mana up. And so they wanted this to be a way to stop some of the one mana stuff that the blue decks were doing. Everybody everybody can have counterspells. It'll be great. Except they realized blue decks can play this too. And now your option of playing a one drop before they get their counterspell mana up is no longer an option. <laughs> right. Like even if they're you're on the the play, like they yeah, I mean they already they always had force of will, but now they have another one. Yeah. Um, the, the other problem yeah. too is that it, all the decks started running four of mental missteps, so you could mental misstep your opponent's mental misstep. Right. Um, yes. Th- th- there's probably a you know your format becomes warped when you're running like a goblins deck and you're running four mental misstep in your main board. Yeah, it's probably not healthy. <laughs> um, yeah. So, oops. <laughs> good good effort, wizards. Good try. Good yeah, try. You really, you get a participation ribbon. I I love the idea. Right. Yeah. Of of that. Of trying to give other colors uh, some instant speed interaction, but this was. Hey, I've got guttural hey, response, yeah. and I don't know what more you need. Right. Guttural yeah. response for the win. Yeah. Um, Who says green can't do counter spells? Right. Uh, this is a little better than guttural response. Um, <laughs> Phyrexian mana was probably just a bad idea to begin with, but this one was definitely the worst. Nothing hey, bad ever happens when you cheat on mana costs. Right? No, nothing. Yeah. Nothing. <laughs> That's now, right. You look through the you ban say, list and like none of it is, is that. I mean, just no. none of it. You, you say this card's better than guttural response. What's the art on this card? It's like a mer getting blasted from behind with some sort of blue magic. Oh, oh. So it's not a fish being sliced in half with magic? Then it's not better than guttural response. All right. Well, strictly more artistically pleasing. Yes. yes. That is, that is right. my primary criterion for deciding what cards to put in my deck. So, yeah, there we go. All right. All right. I'm glad we're all on the same page. Patrick, how can people reach you? How can they uh, listen to you if they want to hear you talk about Legacy? 
Yeah, so definitely um, the Leaving Legacy group, uh, Leaving Legacy cast, we post to MTG cast every Monday. Uh, you can find us on MTG cast, or you can also find us on iTunes if you search for Leaving Legacy. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Pat Uglo, uh, spelled like it is in the show notes, I assume. Yeah, um, right. Also, <laughs> we, we are going to spell it terribly now, on oh purpose. My. It's oh going to have 15 letters in it. It's going to be wonderful. <laughs> No, I'm, I'm used to it. My, my, my co-host Jerry still can't pronounce my last name right, so that's okay. Uh, no, I don't take any offense to that. Um, it, it, wait, it, it's two English words attached to each other. That sounds really easy. Yeah, right? you, you, you would think. You would think. Right. Um, and you can also, if you're you know looking for a place to talk about legacy, um, we also have a legacy Facebook group. If you search for Leaving Legacy on Facebook, um, you know everyone's welcome. It doesn't matter if you're a you know, listener of, of Legacy Weapon or or not. Um, you can come on the Facebook page, and uh, we like to talk about you know cards that come out, um, topics that come up in the shows. Uh, it's a great place to ask questions to other Legacy players. Um, it's very a very open forum where everyone's really positive and. Uh, everyone's there just looking to get better and uh, just kind of talk about the format that they love. So you can reach me on any of those three areas there. And I will say, if any of you listening now have never listened to Legacy Weapon, um, to, to Legacy you're, Weapon? Yeah, yeah, that's... Yeah. Um, well, well, congratulations, you're listening to it yeah. now. Yeah, what... <laughs> <laughs> and if you've ever listened to Leaving a Legacy, you should go do that. Uh, you you talked right. about starting on podcasts and, and uh, uh, you know, years being one of the older ones. When we started doing it, I looked out to see whether there were Legacy podcasts out there, and I basically found two. Well, yours was one of them, which is why we kind of decided that there was still room for more Legacy shows at the time. Absolutely. So. There's always room for more Legacy. I love it. I, I, I love your show. You know, for what it's worth, I love your show. Every time you guys release, I listen to the episode probably, I would say, nine times out of ten the day it releases, if not the next day. Um, you guys do an awesome job. I appreciate what you guys do for the community. Um, you are, you know, the, the mission that you guys have of being, you know, bringing players who aren't in the format at all and getting them up to speed is, is near and dear to my heart. So I appreciate what you guys do here. Well, thank you. That's my heart. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to feel good about myself for like two whole days off of just that. <laughs> right? Yeah, me too. All right. So this this oh. is how I weasel my way on, guys. Is all right. Oh, nice oh, 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 no, no. no. Recorded out you. He's, oh, no. Got him. So insidious. Got him. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that, that'll be it for us. Check the show notes for linking to everybody's everything. And uh, until next time, remember preparation is the best legacy weapon. Thanks. So far, we have never had to re-record something with a guest. There's a first time for everything. (laughs) Maybe don't jinx it. Wait, your deck doesn't include Deathrite Shaman, does it? (laughs) No, it does not. (laughs) Okay, good.